and welcome to this week's edition of the Red Voices podcast. Pleasure to have you with us, you and Rich on hand to discuss United's rather uninteresting 1-0 victory over Leicester, a couple of interesting games for United's women as they start life in the FA Premier League, and a new contract for David De Gea. Richard, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty good just having seen United win a game of association football for the first time in a few weeks. So uh, That's true. It's been a while. Yeah. So these are high spirits. I can actually buy a newspaper this week and other other things I don't do very much anymore. All right, Grandad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the starting, the natural starting point for this week is probably going to be that game against Leicester. I mean, coming into it, missing Martial, Shaw, Pogba, and potentially Wan-Bissaka, obviously he played and actually did all right. It was an odd game to come into because it literally felt like we weren't necessarily favourites. I think reasonably we were all expecting to either draw or lose that game coming into Saturday, really, weren't we? I think given the given the players we had missing, I mean, we we spoke last time about how well, certainly I felt that United's underlying performances hadn't been that bad, even though we hadn't been winning games since the first game of the season. But to take away essentially United's only almost best best finisher, stroke striker, um, and pretty much the only worthwhile midfield creative talent we had was a you know a really big loss against the team that's that's started the season really well and was probably the one from outside last season's top six that looks most likely to be able to break into it yeah well Wolves are currently what second bottom and haven't won in five so <clears throat> no well, exactly um and Ever- you know Everton look look pretty shaky as well so you, you know Leicester have clearly got a lot of talented players and there's quite a good balance and I think Brendan Rodgers is a, a better coach than a lot of people give him credit for so you know coming up against the United side with so many question marks over it and missing so many players and and, and still we don't really know just how good Solskjaer can be or is as a coach um, there are a lot of questions but but in the cold light of day after the game itself you, you can't really underestimate how important a win that was particularly given the the run of fixtures we got now in terms of numbers and also in terms of the, the, the sort of quality of teams we're going to be playing in the Premier League for the next few weeks. Sure I mean coming into that game as mentioned it, it... <laughs> Given especially the way that those previous three games had gone, you know, the draw against Wolves, the defeat against Palace and the way that we really didn't take the game to Southampton after that red card at uh, St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago against Southampton, uh, there was a feeling that we really did need to get something out of this match in particular, actually get back to winning ways, especially as you mentioned there, because we've got so many games coming up, you know, it's two days until we play Astana, then we've got West Ham and then we've got uh, Rochdale in the Cup followed by Arsenal, you know, it, even before we get to the next international break, it is a packed run of fixtures. And obviously with the amount of injuries, it's vital that we were able to get something out of the squad and perform. And to a degree, we managed that. I think that's fair to say, you know, it was by no means a great and creative performance, but I think the real difference between that performance and what we've seen over the last several years was that United didn't bottle it. You know, we've seen us really grind out results and, you know, basically try and, strangle games when we've been 1-0 and not necessarily succeeded and that felt like a different kind of United to what we've seen for the last several years I mean there have obviously been examples here and there where we've been able to grind out victories you know we were somewhat adept at doing that under Van Gaal but I think Saturday was a rare afternoon in that I never actually felt that worried even when we were 1-0 up going into the final stages, I didn't really feel like Leicester were ever actually going to score. I mean, there was a decent chance for Madison relatively early on when he basically just did Lindelof completely, and that was his one wobble of the afternoon. And, you know, De Gea stayed pretty well from that. But no, I mean, considering the... Um, the tools that Leicester have got at the minute in terms of how quickly they can break, because ideally this is what they're actually made for, isn't it? I think ceding the majority of possession to them certainly helped us, and it meant that, you know, 
on occasion we could actually burst out quite quickly. That was fine in theory, but it didn't really happen as the match wore on. And I guess that blistering start certainly helped. You know, our fourth penalty of the season as well. So Unko on Rashford. What was your take on that? Yeah, it looked it looked a penalty. I mean, he's always I've absolutely no doubt that Sionchu didn't mean to mean to bring him down, but Rashford, you know, he's kind of came through from his blind side and he definitely caught him and it, and it was a penalty. And I think um Ollie spoke I was questioned afterwards about why United were getting so many penalties, and I think he's right in that we've got so many players who are very quick and sharp in the penalty around in and around the penalty area, and they're just we're just taking defenders by surprise, really. Um, you know, they're just they're just not able to sort of kind of deal with that that pace and that agility. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely a penalty, and I think the most important thing in the game was to get the first goal because if Leicester had got that first goal, you can imagine that the the way the game had progressed would probably have reversed, and, and Leicester would have been happy to sit deep let United try and come and break them down and then just hitting us on the break, which would have been absolutely ideal for them. Whereas the fact that United scored first allowed us to do that to to Leicester and, and actually do it pretty competently. Yeah, and you know, from there, I didn't necessarily think we really massively threatened. I mean, Pereira had a free kick not long before that, before Rashford's goal, that was heading into the top corner, but Schmeichel pretty much had it covered. Uh, there was a decent opportunity that Fred actually created himself, which was a surprise uh, in itself, um, not long towards the end of the game as well, where he teed up Pereira, but Pereira couldn't really get it under from under his feet, and the chance was passed away. Passed away? It sounded like it died. Well, they kind of did, I guess. Anyway, yeah, it was a kind of a mixed back in terms of performances. You know, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Dave's contract, uh, his new contract going forward and later on in the pod, but... I think one of the things that certainly benefits him or will give him a little bit more stability going forward is the fact that we do seem to have a bit more control in terms of what we're doing in defence. You know, and a large part of that goes down to Wambasaka and Maguire. You know, I think Wambasaka still needs a little bit more assistance when it comes to positioning, although it definitely was better than it was against Palace a couple of weeks ago. But you know, you can't underestimate the difference that Maguire's made to us. You know, in terms of his aerial presence, in terms of his ability to tackle as well, and he's you know. I haven't necessarily been someone who's watched a hell of a lot of him over the last several years, especially after he moved to Leicester. But I think his ability on the ball and his ability to control it and actually just get things moving again and even stride forward is impressive so far. That's been a really welcoming aspect of his performances so far. So that's been really enjoyable to see. And, you know, just to tip the balance in the other way until we get too close to the positive end of the spectrum, the Matic just... You do the words. I can't be bothered anymore. It's difficult to say anymore. But he's a, he's a guy that appears to be. Um, he's almost like the anti-fly, isn't he? You know, you know, fly is basically kind of experience existence at a, an increased rate because of their metabolism to to everybody else. So when you try and swat, them, I thought you were talking about the Jeff Goldblum movie. For a <laughs> well, I could apply, but but you know, you can't you can't swat them because they because they to them the perception of your hand coming is far slower than it actually is. But Matic mm. is out in reverse. You know, the game goes on around him and he he's wading in a quagmire. I mean, he was appalling on the ball. I think he gave the ball away every third time he received it. His, his pass completion was in, in the 60s, which is just disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. I think United were very fortunate that, um, <clears throat> that McTominay had an absolutely exceptional game beside him. And it made, in a way, even though Matic played very poorly, the there was a far better balance allowing McTominay to do the role which I think he's better at which is which is that kind of box-to-box midfielder or sort of all-action role but the one and it's okay if Matic is kind of just sitting and not moving um but, but we, <laughs> sitting and not moving well yeah we've got a side now that is 
by some statistics, the hardest pressing team in the Premier League, which is certainly a change, an enormous change for Mourinho's time. But he's a guy who simply can't take part in that. And I think we saw as well with Mata um, in in the ten role as well that he's just not Mata's just not equipped physically to, to play the role that we really need him to play. At the, mm. You know, at the moment, or in with have the physicality and the pace and the, the pressing that we're you know we want him to have and so I think you kind of saw that with the two players who were missing Pogba and, and Martial we you know Oli clearly wanted to try and bring in some experience to the team but the the, the ultimate conclusion of that was it just kind of reduced the, the team's ability to press and break quite as quickly as they could have done and you know this the difference with this team this year is that whereas at the end the last two or three months of last season United were a side that couldn't defend and couldn't attack we're now a side that still can't attack particularly well, but we we, but we can defend a lot better. And I think with with Bissaka and Maguire and James fitting in, suddenly you can see you can see what Ollie's trying to do. You can see the shape of the team, the way he's trying to get it to play. And I, and for the first time, I can envisage you can you could put a better player in place of Matic or a more suitable player in place of Matic and a couple of other positions and think you know that will improve this, this side quite a lot again. Um, and, and I think I think what Ollie's done and what I was quite impressed with at the weekend, which I haven't necessarily always been impressed with, is that he managed the game very well. He tends to set us up very very well, and I think we we started the game in that in that vein that we were very well set up, and then it looked like we were going to lose control of the game towards the, the end of the first half, and we really had to soak up a lot of pressure. But we, re- you know, for once his subs were early. He made the changes. He got Matic off and got Fred on, and Fred was. Far more mobile, far better on the ball, far more um, adept. Mate, dead flies more mobile than Matic. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he he fitted far better into the into the role that we were trying to get out of Matic for the first hour. Um, hmm. And again, that that kind of gives us a, a bit of positivity. When we were looking at Fred and, and subsequent to that, we I think it was probably a piece in the Athletic that was saying that it was Kieran McKenna who raved about Fred because when he was at Shakhtar because of his ability to to press incredibly quickly and pass between the li- incredibly frantically and also pass between the lines and that's kind of what we saw him doing. You know, he's very mobile. He's always looking for those little short passes through the midfield and. Just all the things that Matic can't do. The, the one, the one question with Fred is: Is he actually good enough, or can he adjust to the tempo of the Premier League to be able to do that consistently? But hmm. we know that Matic can't. So, you know, at least we've got another option that we can try in that in that role. And again, I think if if, if he could really find his form and find his feet, he would make a, a huge difference again to to what we're trying to do. Sure. I mean, I mean, we have been very critical of Fred over the last sort of year or so, haven't we? I mean, I think there's that's not necessarily unjustified. He has struggled to adjust to the Premier League and adjust to English football in general. Obviously, you know, any player that comes in, especially from a league of, you know, without wanting to be too mean about it, the quality from Ukraine has obviously got to take a big step up. You know, it takes a little while to acclimatise and obviously he's moving to a new country with a new language. So that's fair enough. In terms of the actual football itself, you know, I still think back to that night in Paris as an example of what he can do in terms of his work off the ball. And I think sometimes the big thing with Fred is how good is he actually on it? You know, we saw we see fits and starts every now and then, especially we saw that on Saturday where, you know, he was nicking the ball off and actually did great to set Pereira up with that chance on the edge of the area. You know, and that's stuff that it's it's exciting to see him do that, especially after he came on for Matic. I guess the interesting thing going forward with Fred and McTominay, if you 
use them as a de facto two starting alongside Pogba is are they disciplined enough if one of them is going to push up can the other stay back or are they both going to push on because that leaves us with a massive problem because essentially they are maybe not exactly the same player but they are playing similar roles in that box-to-box sort of mold so that's going to be an interesting one for Solskjaer to manage because one of them is going to have to take a little bit more responsibility on the defensive side of things. And I'm not necessarily sure which one at the minute. I mean, again, you know, going back to what you said, I thought McTominay had a great game. You know, again, you know, contrast that if we're going to be on to another play with Andreas Pereira, who I thought had an awful game. You know, I disagree with uh, Daniel Taylor from The Guardian very rarely, but he noted that it was one of Pereira's better games in the United shirt and I didn't see anything like that whatsoever. I thought he just looked, completely out of place wherever he was on the pitch he wasn't really providing much and yeah it was another difficult match to watch for him and it just I, I'm still not seeing it I'm really not and I really wish I could I really wish that there was an element that you could see how he fits into this greater planet United and why we've actually given him this faith and this new contract and what we're actually going to get from him but I just don't see where it's coming from with him he doesn't look comfortable he is excellent well maybe not excellent but he's pretty good from dead ball situations which obviously means at the moment he may maybe have a little bit more of a use than Lingard considering his current form Mm. in this calendar year but still that's not necessarily saying too much anyway I mean you know overall really good to have gotten that win especially after the way the last three games have gone as you said not insignificant that it's a fact against its lesser side who, as you noted, out of them, Wolves and Everton, they were the one team so far who have actually been able to push themselves up the league and start bothering the teams, you know, the nominal top six, as it were. So, yeah, that was a really encouraging game. And, you know, moving on to Astana on Thursday and then West Ham on Sunday, I watched a little bit of West Ham last night against uh, Aston Villa. I mean, we got, in one of the lowest moments of the Mourinho reign last season, we got absolutely pummeled at the old Olympic Stadium. So that was not particularly fun. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be quite that same uh, scoreline again. I mean, we stuck our neck out here far too much and that could really damage us when we come to talk next week. But now I'm feeling comfortable about that game at the moment. I mean, obviously it'd be nice to have the likes of Pogba and Martial and Shaw back if we've actually got them available. Side note, I thought Ashley Young's done all right this week. But yeah, what do you reckon for going ahead for Newcastle then? Because um, I'm assuming you know nothing about Astana. Yeah, I know, I know very little about Astana except that they're fourth in, in the league in their country. Well, that's one thing more than I know. Yeah, I hate West Ham away. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely despise it for for the reason that they absolutely despise us for reasons that aren't really clear, but they do. And I just think it's never, it's never an easy game. It's never a soft place for for United to go. And I think West Ham are always extremely motivated to. Um, to play against us as well, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. But I do think, providing that Maguire and Wambasaka are fit, because I think they're the key, I, th- I think we can again restrict West Ham. This, I certainly don't see them being as rampant as they were last season under Mourinho, when you know we were essentially a team that had given up, and there was nothing about that team that was functioning anymore, and the sub, the uh, formations were weird, and the team selections were weird, and it was just. It was just a complete mess. I don't, I don't see it being like that. And I don't think West Ham were great last night at, um, at Villa either. I think it was quite a poor game, but they they didn't. They, you know, Villa probably could have won that if they'd been a bit more um, clinical. Do you know, I, I really don't know what to expect from United. I, I can't ever remember a time, the, the same at the start of the season as well, I can't remember if I've ever had a time when I, I had absolutely no idea what whether we're good or bad or whether we can win next week or not or... 
Mm. You know, it's just have abs- I, I'm slowly gaining a little bit of faith just in that I, I can see some positive things. I can see the way that we're defending much better. We're giving up very few big chances. We'll talk about De Gea, but I think I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that now his future's sorted. Um, he'll go back to something like his best form or, or certainly above average form, which is where he's you know, he hasn't even reached that really in the last twelve to eighteen months. Assuming that, that Pogba and Martial are back, I think we could, you know, we can score a goal or two. So I definitely think we've got a, we've got a shot there. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, I'm looking forward to Thursday just primarily to see if some of the young lads get a chance. You know, Tahith Chong came on for a relatively late substitution on Saturday, and I think actually starting a game from the beginning is going to be a huge benefit for him. You know, it'd be really nice to see. Mason Greenwood get a start as well. I'm assuming he might actually go up front for this game from the off, purely because Rashford's played every game we've had so far this season. You don't want to completely burn him out. So perhaps he'll start this game and then Sunday and then be rested for the Rochdale uh, League Cup tie next week. Who knows? But it's certainly an opportunity to try some things out. You know, obviously no one no one wants to see United get turned over by Astana, but at the same time, you know, if these young players are going to have so if Solskjaer's going to put so much faith in the young players publicly in terms of how he wants to speak about them and how he portrays them, then this is exactly the sort of game, maybe not no pressure, but low pressure that you can actually use to kind of judge it because this is the first of six group games and you don't really want to see United get knocked out of the League Cup, one of the few actual opportunities for a trophy that we have against Rochdale. So yeah, that'll be I'm looking forward to that for sure. There's some interesting games coming up. And speaking of interesting games, the women's team. So that's uh, two fixtures done in the uh, Super League so far this season. Um, it's been an interesting one, Rich. I mean, I took my daughters over to the Etihad for the first game, the Derby game. Uh, and that was an interesting experience. I mean, that was the first time I've been to the Etihad since City took it over. The last time I was there was flipping out 17 years ago when it was used for the Commonwealth Games. It's an interesting site. Like they've done a good job with like the whole sort of concourse area and the sort of the Etihad campus, but it just feels very processed. I guess it for a club like City, you know, which is somewhat manufactured. I guess it's completely befitting. Uh, but just stop being catty for a minute. Yeah, it was it was fun being in the way, and uh, it was it was an interesting game. You know, obviously United are from where they were last season in the Championship. They've taken a huge step up in quality, and that's been evident across both games. But I think both in the City game and the Arsenal game last night, they've put themselves pretty well. And I think the only, the, the big worry that I would have, and it's really not a massive worry because you'd, ex- you'd expect this to improve against, uh, you know, teams that aren't quite as high in quality as City and Arsenal. United have just got to start taking chances, I think is the big thing. You know, they have been very solid defensively and it's, you know, they mentioned it on the BT Sport commentary last night. This is a completely different scenario and set of circumstances for Casey Stoney and the team to deal with. Last season, they were playing against several teams who weren't full-time. They brought in a lot of players from you know various different leagues and of you know high quality, and they waltzed the championship. It's not going to be like that this season. You know They're playing against established sides who know how to play football, who are operating on a much higher level. Maybe not a much higher level, but certainly in <laughs> an upper echelon than we are at the moment. And yeah, and it's taken a absolute thunder bastard against City last Sunday to beat us against you know one of the best teams in the land, and then Van der Donk's scrappy 89th minute winner last night in order to beat us as well. And a couple of opportunities go away, you know, uh, Toon 
manages to try and get that header on target in the first half. Jane Ross in the second half couldn't quite get it under the keeper. Jackie Gronin hits the post in the first game. Um, you know, various different opportunities that we've had. We have been creating some really good opportunities that we just haven't taken. You know, we've got Liverpool in just under two weeks now, which is turning into a big game. Because if memory serves, they've also lost both of their first two fixtures. And but yeah, I mean, one of the things to note as well, Rich, in particular, was especially when I was in the away end, uh, the support for United's women's team is fantastic. It was really, really good fun. You know, I mean, there are some chants that are certainly getting a bit more of a uh, polite sheen. So for instance, the typical UNITED chant now ends with, why don't City go on home? <laughs> Which just makes me giggle every single time. And yeah, that was incredibly enjoyable. And Ole's at the wheel has got a reworking to start with Casey at the wheel, uh, mentioning Katie's element, Avi McManus. Speaking of which, Avi McManus is doing pretty well. Mary Earps last night against Arsenal was superb. She was absolutely on fire. She deserved the clean sheet for that one. But yeah, yeah, I know you haven't watched as much, obviously, because I'm just better than you but still very interesting start to the season yeah I think we were talking about the, the difficulty of the first two or three fixtures the other day weren't we and I, I'm sure I'm sure Casey Sony's heart sank when she saw that we got City and Arsenal in the first two games but I think you know as, as you said to have to have actually competed in those two games and only very narrowly lost in both of them you've got to think that we've got a pretty decent chance of at least being competitive against the rest you know I think you know I think Spurs came up with this last year didn't they and you know, again, we, we United were the superior side in the championship, and you'd hope at least, the very least, we'd be very competitive against the the other promoted sides. And, and any really anybody down from from those two and, and Chelsea, you, you'd hope that we can be at least as competitive. And we've we've clearly clearly got a, a relatively big budget for that level together, and we've tried to recruit quite uh, aggressively again this this summer. So it, it's good actually, given the the issues that the first team have. It's, it's really nice on top of the big improvements in the academy to actually see United really doing something properly and and really having a go at, at making something successful where the first team doesn't really feel like it's been running anything like as, as aggressively or competently. The women's team is hopefully opening up football at United to a, perhaps a different a different demographic of, of people that wouldn't necessarily normally go and watch. Um, and I think that's that's good for the the club as a whole, not just the not just the women's team. No, exactly. I mean, I think I would absolutely recommend if you're you know wanting to take the kids to go watch United, but you're concerned about the price of actually taking them to Old Trafford, which is fair enough. If you can get to Lee Sports Village to catch the women's team at a home game, absolutely do so. You know, it's well worth the experience. The atmosphere is good. The football's good too. And it'll only keep getting better. You know, we've signed some really good players this summer. Jackie Gronin was definitely missed last night in terms of, you know, her ability to help link up attack in midfield. And Jane Ross is once, you know, it was mentioned on commentary last night, once she starts scoring, I'm sure she's going to be an excellent goal source for us. So yeah, moving on to, I guess, the last element of our agenda for the evening. Uh, a new contract for David De Gea. Now, had this happened about a year ago, I guess there wouldn't necessarily be as in-depth a discussion on the actual concept of De Gea signing his future away for the next four years, because he's signed on now until 2023, essentially tying him down for what is going to be the real chunk of his career. You know, he's been with us now since, oh, blimey, when was it? 2012? And, you know, I obviously goalkeeper yeah. in our... Yeah, no, God, it's a long time. He's going to be due a testimonial mm. at some stage, which is mad when you think about it. It makes mm. me feel old. There has been greater scrutiny placed on his performances and his abilities over the last sort of several months in particular after a couple of high-profile gaffes 
uh, coupled with the likes of you know Edison and Allison um, having great success by rushing out and I guess there's been extra scrutiny placed on his game I mean it, from your perspective do you think this is a really positive thing for United in terms of where they are now and where they could get to to actually tie De Gea down for the long term somebody asked me last week and I wasn't sure what the answer was Great, we've had a week to think about no, it. No, but, no, no, I, awesome. no, but, but <laughs> my, my feeling last week was that absolutely, if it, this was De Gea of 18 months ago, then I'd say you throw the world at him and, and there's abs- an absolutely no risk contract to give. But obviously the, the difficult time he's had in the last year or so, given a bit less clarity, and obviously he's he signed a contract which appears to be, well, I think with bonuses, getting on for nearly £400,000 a week, which is obviously a huge amount of money and makes him the best paid goalkeeper in the world by quite a considerable margin. But the reality is that were he to leave, we're going to need to replace him. And and while there's the... I'd, you know, I'm almost rather have a guy who I know has world-class talent, but has perhaps lost focus, because focus can be re, re-found again, rather than having to lose him for nothing. And then have to spend a portion of next summer's budget which would really be better uh, spent elsewhere on, on, on signing a replacement so I think after the event I'm actually more happy with it than I was just with the, the, the possibility of it beforehand and I think possibly that that, that important saving it from Mad- against Madison at the weekend as well was just a reminder that um, you know he he can make the difference in in really tight games, and I get the impression this season there are going to be an awful lot of tight games because we just don't score enough. In that circumstance, you know, we look there were there were all sorts of um, analyses done of um, De Gea's performance in in Mourinho's last full season with United finishing second, and I read a few, and most of them agreed that De Gea was probably the difference between United finishing second and fifth or sixth, um, and that's an absolutely enormous enormous difference. I think <clears throat> I think one analysis suggested that he was the, the the single player in Europe's top five leagues that had gained his team more points than any other in, in terms of where where their expected points should be and his contribution than any other player in those in those top five leagues and it doesn't surprise me really because he you know United that season were really 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 functional and difficult to watch and difficult to enjoy but we finished second almost in spite of ourselves and, and in enormous part because of him and if he can get anything like back to that sort of form you know he really could be the difference between United having a very very different season this season to being one where we can actually get fairly close to our sort of goals for this year yeah I mean in particular I think you hit that on the head this isn't going to be the same as the last several years as uh, I would expect us to have many more tight games than so far apart from that spanking of Chelsea which obviously looks a bit weird considering how they've sort of shifted over the last several weeks since that opening day humping um we are going to have a lot of very very tight games you know it's been one all two one one all one nil and I, I it's imperative in particular for me that De Gea has a more settled defense and I think one of the big pluses of this summer despite the you know the issues that we've seen in terms of maybe not spending enough, uh, getting a lot of players sold, but not necessarily reinvesting that money in the squad. It has been encouraging to see us really make an effort to improve the defence. And I think 
in particular, De Gea has deserved that for the amount of times he's bailed us out over the years. I mean, you know, I understand why people have got reservations based on the last several months. You know, we, we did see several high-profile mistakes from De Gea that aren't characteristic. And, you know, he's now been essentially usurped for Spain's number one position by Kepa. And that's not necessarily a great situation for him. And that's indicative of how his form has taken a hit over the last sort of six months. But if you look over the course of his United career, I don't think anyone... Any single player at United has done more to help us progress and to get us back to quote-unquote where we should be than De Gea. I think it's a complete reward for, despite the last several months, maybe a couple of points in his second season at United and maybe even the first. I think it's just complete consistency because, you know, for a good chunk of the last several years, we've been talking about having the greatest keeper in the world uh, on our club. And that's, you know, that's not blowing smoke up his arse. He has genuinely been absolutely fantastic on more than one occasion. You know, you only have to think back to uh, Mourinho's second season for that game against Arsenal last season under Solskjaer when we played at Wembley and that one-man show against Spurs. You know, he is capable of those sort of performances on a frequent basis and that's what that's the level that you want to see him get back to and hopefully now that's all sorted out in terms of his contract and that will happen you know it, it is what we're all hoping to see from him you know he has turned into one of the squad's most experienced heads you know he knows what it means to play for United he is you know just exactly what you could want from a senior figure on the pitch and perhaps off it as well doesn't get himself in any trouble seems to be a very respectful bloke so yeah perfect i mean i'm really pleased that that's happened and that's sorted out now because that's been you know the longer this sort of drags on the more speculation is allowed to accrue and the worse it seems so it's nice to have that sort of squared away and speaking of madison actually as well because you mentioned this uh, talking the times that united are going to go back in for madison what uh, next summer and expect to have to pay what 60 plus million so i'm assuming considering that we had to pay god how much was it 75 million for Maguire, we could probably expect to pay the same next summer for madison yeah. from Leicester. It, it, it's, it's a really difficult one because united have clearly clearly gone down a route where they want to buy british players and that's fine to a point because and, and I, the three players we signed last summer i cannot fault at all i think we've signed very very well we signed three players who have really um, stepped up this season and, and who will improve us and have improved us. And there was another list, and you can look at guys like Jaden Sancho, and that's a bit of a no-brainer. Or, and, and I think Madison's another one which makes an awful, an awful lot of sense um, relative to the fee. I mean, you, you know, there's got to be a line I think somewhere. But he's another guy. I mean, he's he, he's he's a United fan or was a United fan as a kid. You know, he we we, we are desperate for a creative. A creative player in that in that number ten role because at the moment we have absolutely zip. Um, you know we we're essentially going to be going from Lingard who who creates and scores nothing ever, um, and Matter who's clearly you know really got to the point where his his body won't do what his brain and feet want to do anymore. Um, and so we desperately need somebody in that role who can add creativity because that's the one thing this team really lacks at the moment. It's 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 a cutting edge in the final third, um, mm-hmm. and he can certainly do that. I mean, you know, the stats are on his side. He's, he created um, chances and any other player in the Premier League last season. You could see. I watched Leicester's game at Chelsea where he was absolutely exceptional, just completely ran the show for about seventy minutes of that game, and Leicester should have won that, been out of sight in that in that match. Um, and and even at United on at the weekend, he was playing largely on the sort of out position on the left hand side. But you could see that his touch and his movement and his vision is really clever and um, something that we just don't have 
at the, at the club at the moment. Um, the question is, how do you, you know, we, we, we're having all these names thrown out again this week of, with um, <clears throat> with Madison and Sancho kind of the, 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 the biggest names. And you just think, where does that fit into United's budget? Because if you try to sign Jaden Sancho, you're looking at, I don't know, 120 to 130 million million quid for him. And then, mm-hmm. you know, another you can expect at least another 70 or 80 for Madison again. And you, you spend 250 million. That just doesn't seem to really fit the way that the Glazers have tried to invest in the last couple of... I mean, we, United haven't spent that amount of money in a summer ever. I mean, to me, it's a one or the other situation. And Madison seems the most realistic target purely because... You know, I mean, I think Jaden Sancho is going to be more motivated by coming to a team where he's going to take a pronounced step up. And at United, that's just not the case at the moment. It's not. So it's not. But but if you think about think about the sort of fee that he's going to cost, and how many clubs can pay that? I mean, City. I think City are really paying at the moment, and they. I think they've probably thrown given given Liverpool the lead purely by by virtue of the fact that. That, that that huge three hundred million pound summer they had in Guardiola's second second summer has has clearly really impacted their spending since then. And, and are City going to be spending one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty million pounds on a single player? And I think the point, the, the record till now, I, mean, I can't rule it out completely, but suggests probably not. Um, and, and you know, ultimately, who else is there? Does he want to go to a PSG or you know, Real Madrid seem to be obsessing over Mbappe and, and Pogba and Barcelona have already got an enormous amount of talent in similar positions you know where 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 can he really go and in in this country really you could only see united or city affording him so it may just be a case next summer that if he decides he does want to move on that united it possibly looks might look like his his best route out and i and i do think that it was interesting that um quite a few quite a few reports wrote today that united had to convince de gea that that we actually were going somewhere, and we've read that quite a lot in the last last few years. And I'm sure that I'm sure the money helped that. But you get, <clears throat> but I can look at I can look at this United team now, and I can, I can think you know it's not functioning perfectly now. It's not functioning quite right. But I look at Wan Bissaka, I look at Maguire, <clears throat> I look at James, I still look at Martial and Rashford, and perhaps the way McTominay's developing, and and the younger players. And I think you know if we got even another three players in next summer who had as positive an impact as as the ones we bought this summer you could see us taking a step again and it's almost like the first time the whole time during Mourinho's time at United whilst we won those trophies in the first year and came second in the second year it was really really hard to see where we were going and what what was our path were we improving how were we going to improve were we actually really anywhere near as good as that second season suggested and it didn't really look like we were whereas with this I don't know whether Solskjaer is good enough to to take United where they want to go but I can actually see some direction to what we're trying to do and the, the way we're trying to recruit and the kind of players we're trying to to bring through and I just think whereas Mourinho was was very focused on uh, sort of experienced older players you know <clears throat> wanting Willian or whoever in the in that that final summer and he brought Matic in and, and Sanchez and whatever else you know it's clear that we're looking for a lot we're going for a longer term view and if we continue to sign young players in or, or players with as much success as we have this summer even if we've only got three in you can actually see United moving forward even if Solskjaer isn't ultimately the guy who who takes us there um yeah I can't even remember what my original point was but no, I can't either. It's gone. Anyway, shall we dust off with Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, hit me. At mkarimi23, do you think Oli rates Chong higher than Gomez? And if so, why? Um, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, 
I love Gomez and I think he really really needs a chance and I, I wonder if it's just because Chong plays in a position that um, is is one where we've we've had more need or or that, or that he just feels that Chong's got you know Chong is he's re- he's really quick he's pacey he's he's got that kind of classic winger style that that Solskjaer seems to be wanting to hark back to I, I think it's going to be really interesting this next week just seeing whether which of those guys gets gets game time against Astana and against Rochdale and in the Europa League going forward because I think then we'll get an idea of where Solskjaer thinks they're at we've got no 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 worries about Greenwood he's clearly going to play Greenwood he's clearly going to give Chong some time but you know how highly does he think that that Gomez and Garner are ready. At Julian Jules, would Ole be ideal for a director of football to ensure continuity of the United philosophy, handle transfers, brackets, lols, youth development, etc., and leave the coaching to a more experienced manager? I mean, I've seen this uh, suggestion that Solskjaer might be better suited to a director of football role. Quite, you know, it's been flying around for the last several weeks. And it's an interesting observation, but it's a bit of a redundant one at the same time, because we don't seem to be getting a director of football. You know, Edward would pay the lip service several times over the course of last December when it became clear that Mourinho was, you know, when Mourinho got sacked. And the actual talk has all been about United feeling themselves out for the role. You know, there hasn't really been a significant development on that role for some time. It seems pretty clear that Woodward's not going to cede power on transfers. So, you know, moving Solskjaer in if it doesn't quite work out for him in the manager role just seems like completely redundant exercise quite frankly so I mean he might well be suited for it but you know it's not something that we're really going to see you know he's manager until he's not manager anymore and I don't expect anyone to come in and actually do the director of football or whatsoever if it doesn't work out for him no and you know I, I, I am one who thinks he probably would be a good director of football I think he's recruited really well and I like his I like his vision for the club the questions are just about him as a coach um, but, mm. but, but the reality is like you say I don't think it's a scenario that's ever going to be tested because even if even if he were sacked from the manager's role and offered the director of football role, could you see could could you see him taking it on those terms? You know, he's been the, he's been the main man, and he's been given the boot. For, you know, ostensibly for in theory at that point not being good enough, then basically just offered another role, and there's a lesser role for him. I, I just can't see it. I just can't see that he'd ever do that. So it's it is redundant. God knows whether we're ever going to appoint a director of football. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think the idea of a former player is as stupid as a lot of people have suggested. Um, <clears throat> as long as they've got an idea of where they, you know, which direction we want to go in, and, they, and we stick to it. But mm, yeah, sure. it's a redundant question, isn't it? It's it's, it's moved. David Guest with the last one of the evening. Who do you think has the best chance of making it United out of the promoted youth players this season? Greenwood, Chong, Gomez, or Garner? Uh, ooh. Don't know. Rich Greenwood's the most talented academy kid I've seen in. 25 years plus I think but, uh, I think you could you could you could definitely make an argument to say that Morrison was at least as talented as he was but Morrison just didn't have the brain you know despite the rather unfortunate video that seems to have appeared on Twitter on uh, Twitter today which you may or may not have seen Greenwood seems to be a much more mature player and, and a mature a more mature person even even if we take into account that he's 17 and does stupid stuff because he's 17 um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't think there's any question that he's ever ever been unprofessional at United, and I think given his level of talent, he's he he's therefore the one that's got the best chance, and you could see why Solskjaer's been given him pr- promoting him ahead of the others. Mm. 
Sure. All right, Rich, we'll leave it there for the week. Uh, we'll leave back, uh, what, what should we say, after West Ham next week? Sound yeah. about right? Yeah, that's great. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, don't forget you can get us all over Twitter, should you so wish to. You can get the pod at, at Red Voices MUSC, me at Ewan Lennitz, Rich at, at, Rich, at Rich Red Voices. You can get the actual podcast itself on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and you can get our blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back next one. Bye. Bye.